Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. So today we're going to talk a little bit about meditation and anxiety and how meditation helps calm anxiety and maybe a little bit about the anxiety or the stress that comes up this time of year. Mm -hmm. I had a few questions for you, just wanted your input and uh, thought it might be useful for the people who are listening and thought we could just start the conversation there. Sure. One thing that I've noticed being fairly new to meditation in the last five years is that when I'm overcome with anxiety or anxious feelings or just feeling like everything's too much, that meditating seems almost impossible, like the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back almost. So while I know in my brain that it would help me, it feels like still a little bit too much. And so what I'm wondering is, what do you find is the simplest form of meditation to get back to center when you're just feeling way over the top? Mm -hmm. You raise a very important point, particularly when dealing with anxiety. Meditation is great for calming the mind, helping us relax, for clearing the mind, for picking up our consciousness. It's the most wonderful thing. But when your mind is unwell or unbalanced and giving you trouble, then it's very difficult to sit with a disturbed mind and meditate. And I think that if somebody is giving advice to another suffering from anxiety to practice meditation, then they really need to do that with full understanding of what that individual is going through. And when somebody is feeling disturbed, if you're just going to ask them to sit still and quiet for 20 minutes or half an hour, it's going to be an extremely uncomfortable experience for them, which is why we recoil from it even at the mention of it. It's, oh God, I could never just sit there with all this stuff in my head. Mm -hmm. So while meditation is a wonderful thing, when we're talking about using it for anxiety, there needs to be a good system of support set up for the person who's going to be practicing. One very easy way to start to calm the mind is to use regulated breathing practices, which simultaneously rein in the anxious thinking while helping us experience that more relaxed and settled experience that meditation can give us. If you look at your breathing when your mind's anxious, you'll find that your breathing tends to be shallow and high in your chest. It might be ragged. It might be irregular. Our breath is very, very closely related to our mind. So when we rein the breathing in and we control it and slow it down, then we rein our thinking in. So using structured breathing exercises is a really good place to start. And that's what yoga and Ayurveda both initially recommend in helping to calm the mind and begin to establish that meditative state. Well, you bring up such a good point too, because I think we can forget that everything begins with the breath. So often we don't associate regulated breathing with meditation, but actually they're one and the same. If you can come back and get control over or deepen your breath, regulate your breath, even for a few minutes, you're going to find a, a sense of calm that you didn't have before you just focused on your breath. And that is a form of meditation. Yeah. And if you want to enter into what people would consider more serious or deeper forms of meditation, then using the breath to prepare and transition into that state is also very valuable. Mm -hmm. 
So Mm -hmm. even for seasoned meditators who've been practicing for many years, I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means. I have to sit with my mind every morning, so I know I'm not. But I have been practicing for 20 years. And if there's a lot going on or I'm feeling unsettled, then I'll sit and breathe, practice some pranayama, which we'll talk about perhaps more in a moment, some controlled breathing exercises to settle my mind before I enter into my usual practice. You practice japa meditation. Can you tell us more about this form of meditation? Sure. I encountered japa meditation at the height of my anxiety around 20 years ago now, and I found it incredibly helpful. It helped me to calm my mind, and I became attached to it very quickly as something to do that just helped me feel really centred and safe when I was going through a very tough time. So that's a practice that I've continued to this day. That's my core meditation practice. It's a very ancient practice. It comes from the Vedas, the source of yoga and Ayurvedic knowledge. And it's a very sweet practice. Japa comes from a Sanskrit word, jap, which means to speak softly or to mutter. And it's the practice of repeating a mantra on beads, which are called japa beads or mala. The beautiful thing about the practice of japa is that it reigns in and engages so many of our senses, which I think is, for me, coming to it from a place of anxiety, what really hooked me in. When you use japa beads, you have the sense of touch engaged in rolling the beads between your fingers. You have the sense of speech engaged by using your mantra. Your hearing's engaged by hearing your mantra. You can light some incense to take care of the sense of smell. And you can look at a devotional image or something that you find tranquil. So you've got all the senses engaged while you're practicing. So rather than trying to battle with your mind and rein it all in, then this ancient practice of japa, it just gives all the senses something to do together. Mm. So if japa meditation is something that our listeners want to begin, what would be a good mantra for them to begin using? Can you give us some examples? Sure. Japa meditation comes from the Vedic tradition, so the mantras chanted are Vedic mantras. The word mantra means to free the mind. It comes from two Sanskrit words. Man comes from the word manas, which means our emotional mind, and tra means to free or liberate or go beyond. So in Vedic culture, there are specific mantras given that have a specific effect on the mind and on the heart. There are many, many mantras, some simple, some a little more complex. One popular one is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. We can give more details if people are interested, they're welcome to contact me. There's a mantra which I was introduced to, which is called the Maha Mantra. Maha means great mantra, and it's particularly prescribed for this age that we're living in when our minds are very disturbed and overwrought, and it's very, very hard for us to sit and focus and concentrate. And that mantra follows three simple words, Hare, Krishna, and Ram. And they're repeated in a very beautiful sequence. Mm. And uh, that's the mantra I've been chanting for the last 20 years. Sometimes all I might be able to do is just sit and chant Om to have that resonate throughout my body. And I guess the important thing is that there are so many choices for everyone and it's what resonates with you. There are, and the mantras are there in most spiritual traditions and practices. And, you know, it's a nice thing in your if you have your own particular faith or path, then you can use a prayer or a name of the divine from your own path and repeat that. You mm-hmm. see it with the rosary. Most 
spiritual lineages have this within them as a way of uplifting our consciousness and really settling our mind and heart all at the same time. And then this is a good time to bring up the, the sankalpa and the difference between a sankalpa and a mantra. The sankalpa is something that we'll do before yoga nidra or maybe before a nice shavasana or yoga practice mm -hmm. where we set an intention on the altar of our heart. So that intention is different than this mantra, but is also quite helpful um, to get centered and think about what it is you want for your practice on any given day, which I, you know, digresses a bit from the conversation about meditation, but brings us back to this place of understanding that we get to choose the direction of the, the way that we'd like our day to unfold. So if you're finding yourself incredibly stressed and out of sorts and you begin your, regula your regulated breathing, you might decide that your intention for the day is to, is to cultivate more peace. And so you might choose a sankalpa. The intention on, on your heart for that day might be, I am peaceful, which from there, depending on what happens, um, could lead to additional meditation and choosing a mantra that suits you. The reason why I bring this is to let everybody know that this isn't a one-size-fits-all direction or you know rule book. This is what feels good for you, what resonates with you, and to just give it a try. We often talk about Ayurveda and the signature behaviors of each of the doshas. And I guess I'm curious as to what are the best choices of meditation for the dosha types. Yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to know where to begin, particularly if you're aware that you're of a certain nature and that nature needs some support. The alternate nostril breathing of yoga is suitable to all three doshas. So that's an mm. easy one for anyone to learn and apply. And you can find more details of that on our website, anxietyslayer.com. We'll put some notes at the bottom of this podcast so you've got the references for this. That's a very easy practice for calming the mind. But to look at things that are more suited to individual doshas, vata benefits very much from stillness and quiet. It's a very wise and detached dosha and it possesses great clarity, which is why we enter into the vata stage of life in our latter years. That's when we're supposed to be putting our focus more internally and working with our internal wisdom more. But the disturbed vata mind pushes the body to move and to speak, and it's unable to cope with stillness, which regrettably is what it needs the most. So it's very hard, as we said before, for vata to experience peace and quiet when it's disturbed. And that's where guided meditation really helps, because the vata mind responds very well to being soothed into a practice. And we've all heard of the horse whisperer. Sometimes you need a mind whisperer. You need someone who understands the vata mind, understands what it's going through and can help it calm down and coax it into being more calm and more settled. And that's why we offer audio support for breathing exercises mm. and other meditative practices, because it's not always easy to go there yourself when you're suffering. Sometimes you need somebody to lead you in. And vata responds very beautifully to that. With vata, it's as important to practice regularly as what you practice. Vata really needs a supportive routine. With our very technologically engaged, busy, rushing around lifestyle, most people are actually a bit vata disturbed to varying degrees. Uh -huh. It's important to look at yourself and see what you think you need for some regular support. 
Peter does very well with the cooling breath, which again, you can find information of on anxietyslayer.com. It does very well with Shavasana, reclined yoga practices, and Yoga Nidra, which you've created audio support for. And Pitta also responds well to guided support. The Pitta mind is very soothed by a gentle, nicely paced speech. It gives over quite quickly to uh, incoming information when it's palatable to it, and it becomes very soothed and very relaxed. So guided support, again, is very valuable. I find that one of the reasons why I enjoy both sharing and experiencing Shavasana and Yoga Nidra is because I tend to lean into that Pitta place, that dosha type. And when I found those practices, it felt like one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. Because for a long time, I was that person, that type A person, which I know doesn't really come across now, but Mm -hmm. that wasn't very long ago. Where to think about sitting and just counting my breath, you know, are you kidding me? But to be able to just make the investment in, because it really is, it's a personal investment. Mm -hmm. It's It's a kindness. It's a gift that you give yourself that I can allow myself this window of time to listen. And and then I can come back and decide whether or not I found that valuable. Well, I found it valuable after I tried it. It was getting me to actually lay down and do it that made the difference. So I will share that with any of our listeners who who might be more uh, pitta-brained that I promise you, (laughs) if you allow yourself the gift of Shavasana or Yoga Nidra, you will come away feeling really refreshed. Yeah, it's true. But then there's also the kapha side. What is the best form of meditation to stay awake for a particular dosha type? Kapha needs a more energized breathing practice, and yoga has very generously presented a collection of these breath control techniques, these pranayams, and there's one that's very good for kapha, which is called bastrika, it's the bellows breath, where you breathe in and out like a big old pair of bellows, it's very enlivened mm-hmm. breathing, you know, if, if vata people try it for too long, they're going to feel very lightheaded and uncomfortable, if pitta people will try it and keep it going, but they're going to get too heated by it, but for kapha, it's warming, it's enlivening, and it lightens and brightens the mind. So for them, more energized breathing practices are very good. Kapha is earth and water, it's clayy, it's heavier by nature. So they need practices that can, can help them lift and lighten. And because of that more heavy-covered nature that can fall with Kapha, they tend to suffer more from depression than anxiety. So... Those enlivened breathing practices are particularly good for lifting the mind. There is so much scientific evidence that meditation can calm an anxious mind. And having practiced on my own and knowing your practice and several other people who practice on a regular basis, how much it helps them. We know that it works. We know that it's, that it's very calming and helpful. And yet... With that being said, many pitta personalities, that dosha type, think meditation is uh, a waste of time. Or maybe they don't really think that, but when they come upon it, they think, how in the world could I ever do that? They, they have this type A personality and they feel like they need to be doing something. They feel like, how could they possibly just rest or lay down or be relaxed or 
make time for meditation? And I guess that's the second level of the question asking about the dosha types. So I just wonder, how do we escort? How do we assist somebody who says, I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. I've got too much going on in my life or I can't sit still that long or, you know, whatever the issue is that comes up for them. Once we get to the point of trying something that's good for us properly in a way where it's presented, where it's going to be effective, we're very quick to like it. I've seen intensely pitter people with serious mental disturbance reduced to tears by the relief of the simplest thing of just pouring cooling medicated oil over their heads. Now, if you say to a pitter person when they're on the go, oh, let's just pour some oil on your head and you're going to feel better. They're going to tell you you're nuts. So the question is to appeal to the intelligence of Pitta. You have to make a good case. They've got to have a proper practice and it's got to be nicely presented and structured nicely that they know what they're doing and their intelligence will allow them to think, okay, well, I see some sense in that and I'll give it a go. So you have to appeal to the intelligence first. Once you've done that, they're away. They'll decide for themselves, but that's the trick. So Pitta also feels great relief from guided yoga, yoga nidra, or shavasana, and once they try it, they're fine. So it's, it's just that question of appealing to their intelligence. I did see a wonderful case a few months ago. I was having a look at the work of Supernanny, and she was helping a family who had a very pitter dad, a policeman. He was very pitter, but he also had a good dash of kapha in there too, which made him a very good guy, very loyal, supportive father. But during the day, he was rushing around the streets dealing with road traffic accidents, and it wasn't uncommon for him to see a fatality during the course of his working day. So he's out with the sirens going, dealing with big emergencies, and then he's coming home at night, and he's got this sweet little girl, I think she must have been about four or five, and he's trying to switch from policeman to dad. As soon as he comes in the door, he puts his gun in the safe and (laughs) takes his cuffs off, and then he sits down, but he's still in the uniform, and he's still carrying whatever he was carrying from the day. So Supernanny marched him upstairs and told him, you need to transition over from policeman to dad. There has to be transition time. So she convinced him to listen to a guided relaxation recording. And he did that. He laid down and listened to it. And immediately he got it. That in just that 10 minutes, he could let go and switch over from one role in his life to being fully immersive in the other role in his life. And when he came downstairs, you could see the change in him. It's quite amazing. So Mm. we all need to just learn to transition. And once he'd experienced that once, he got it and he carried on and he he kept up the practice. If a pitter policeman can get the message, then we can all just give it a go. Just try, give yourself a chance. Right, good point. And I think that once, at least it's been my experience, that once you begin practicing Once you begin experimenting, I like to think of these um, ideas as experimentation sometimes, Mm. uh, you will naturally gravitate towards what you need. I think we've covered some good ground today in regards to meditation and anxiety and the understanding that we can just begin with a regulated breath. When we're feeling like even meditation is too much, just bring it back to your breath. Mm Mm-hmm. And then from there, that will prepare you for what's next. And there might be something for you that might be a japa meditation, that might be affirmations or sankalpa, it might be a guided meditation, who knows what it might be. Mm-hmm. But you'll find that you have the resources 
to move in any direction you wish to. So that there isn't one right answer. It's really following what you think might be useful or might be supportive after experimenting. Sure. And again, with anxiety, we're not talking about hardcore meditation sitting on the floor for hours. Five Mm -mm. or ten minutes a day can make a wealth of difference to your life. It can make a profound difference. So just start small with something that feels supportive and good to you and try and do it regularly and you will experience great relief. Mm, Thanks so much. I'm glad that we got to talk about this topic today. I look forward to our next Slayer session. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast supportive, please visit the Slayer store at anxietyslayer.com for a fine selection of products to help you feel calm and in control of stress and anxiety.